0: This podcast is the design of Citysite's Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in his word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. It's going to get worse before it gets better. We're facing opposition far more intense than anything Christians in the United States have experienced in the last century. That's the message from Luke Goodrich in his new book, Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, published by Multnomah. Goodrich, the leading religious freedom attorney at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, has fought and won in the Supreme Court, but he's concerned that we're not prepared for the changes that now confront us. He writes we've long lived in a country where religious freedom was secure and we didn't need to give it much thought now we're realizing the country is changing and we might not enjoy the same degree of religious freedom forever if we don't start thinking about it now we'll be unprepared i'll preach as though i will never preach again i'll preach as a dying man and i will tell you things that you will misunderstand and i will tell you things that make you so angry with Me. And I'll tell you things that you will deny. Because if I correctly interpret this passage of Scripture that I'm going to give you, it is as though God were speaking through a man. And your problem will not be with Me. It will be with God and His Word. So the only question that really has to be decided is, is this man before us, a false prophet, Or is He telling us the truth? And if He is telling us the truth, then nothing else matters except conforming our lives to that truth. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I stand here today. I'm not troubled in my heart about your self-esteem. I'm not troubled in my heart about whether or not you feel good about yourself, whether or not life is turning out like you want it to turn out, or whether or not your checkbook is balanced. There's only one thing that gave me a sleepless night, and that is this. Within a hundred years, a great majority of people in this building will possibly be in hell. And many who even profess Jesus Christ as Lord, will spend an eternity in hell. What you need to know is that salvation is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And faith alone in Jesus Christ is preceded and followed by repentance a turning away from sin a hatred for the things that god hates and a love for the things that god loves a growing in holiness and a desire not to be like britney spears not to be like the world and not to be like the great majority of american christians but to be like jesus christ
1: this is the city sites podcast with larry kutzler The word intense has two meanings, according to the dictionary. First meaning, of intense force or strength. Second meaning, having or showing strong feelings or opinions, extremely earnest or serious. We don't usually think of the Gospel message as intense, yet I find the Scriptures to be quite intense as it describes how to live and interact with the concepts of a biblical worldview. I realize the gospel message has a great joy to it, and nothing is more important than to communicate how the love of God is received through it. The peace of knowing that Jesus has secured a place in heaven for everyone who has accepted his work on the cross and made him their savior. I cannot stress enough the positive impact this has had on people who trust Jesus, and it is far from intense. However, the gospel is also intense. Its intensity is seen through the New Testament and the Apostle Paul who describes it this way. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's 2 Timothy 1, 7-8. This suffering for the gospel is an intense phrase. Paul knew that... This world would not accept the gospel because it exposes their sin, their immorality, their human independence. He also knew that the religious world of his day and even the religions in our day would not accept the dictates or the demands of the gospel. The gospel is a radical idea that demands your attention and your allegiance. In much of what we do in the church circles today is focus on the love, forgiveness, and mercy of God and how that intersects with our lives. We love to sing songs about His greatness, His desire to know us and rescue us. We love to remind ourselves of His promises to care and watch over us, but rarely do we talk about the tension that surrounds a commitment to Him. For example, the tension of the suffering aspect of being rejected and hated for our faith. The tension of the dimension of being misunderstood and marginalized. The tension of the struggle to make him known in a world that ignores God. The tension of the condemnation of sinful desires and temptations. The tension of constant resistance that it takes to keep pure and righteous. The tension of overwhelming manipulation of the culture and the lies that accompany it the tension of courage that it takes to follow Jesus in discipleship and be obedient to his word. So, following the gospel is intense. The spirit of compromise is constantly nipping at our heels trying to get us to reverse course and consider new ideas for living out Christianity. In my lifetime of being a Christian, I have seen how new trends of theology and practice take hold, and in a few short years, they all come full cycle in discovering they have come up short in knowing God. We begin to see how easy it is to discover a new revelation, whether it's a prosperity message or the prayer of Jabez. All have an element of truth, but the emphasis is all wrong. Emphasis is important because it is what gets communicated and believed. Anytime a theory or a theology gets more attention than God himself, you have an idol in the making. Today, when the church makes an emphasis on God's goodness to us, but ignores the more intense requirements of Scripture, it leaves us in the driver's seat and gives God the backseat. Now, you may find this difficult to stomach, but I ask you, at least give it some thought. The emphasis of Scripture is basically on three themes ministered by the Holy Spirit comes out of John 16:8. Jesus said that when he comes his ministry that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit will be about sin, righteousness and judgment. These are the three areas Jesus said would be the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Who decides what emphasis of the sermon or the ministry of the church will be like? That is a good question. Because if we decide that we do not want to make our ministry emphasis on the tension of discipleship, but rather on the goodness of God, you can see how the flavor of a ministry can be so very different. My quest today is to make a case that there is a tension in the gospel. When I read the gospels or the writing of the apostles, I find that there is a tension present that requires something from me. Grace, of course, is God's unmerited favor, so nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. It's all a free gift of God. Yet, how I live in this grace and how I live out this grace in our world, there is a tension. No leader can just stay on how great God's grace is without talking about the tension we will experience as we accept that grace and become a follower of Jesus. Words the Bible uses to describe this tension are suffering, persecution, accusation, deception, hatred, and death. Not pretty words anyone wants to go to church to learn about, right? Yet, to ignore them would ignore the emphasis of the scripture. That is my point in all of this. Ignoring the tensions found in scripture will not promote healthy spiritual life. Jesus talked a lot about tensions in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five thirteen through 15 You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. The tensions of Scripture are not to be ignored.
0: You know what the Bible tells Christians to do? Examine yourself, test yourself in light of Scripture to see if you are in the faith. The Bible says in the prophets that even our greatest works are like filthy rags before God. And because of that, you know what we deserve? The wrath of God, the holy hatred of God. You say, now wait a minute, God doesn't hate anybody, God is love. No, my friend, you need to understand something. Jesus Christ taught, the prophets taught, the apostles taught this, that apart from the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord, the only thing left for you is the wrath, the fierce anger of God, because of your rebellion and your sin. When I speak in universities, they're always quick to point out, no, God cannot hate because God is love. And I tell you, God must hate because God is love. You see, I love children, therefore I hate abortion. If I love that which is holy, I must hate that which is unholy. God is a holy God. That's something that the Americans have forgotten. Now listen to me. If you're saved here tonight, you're not saved because the Romans and Jews rejected Jesus. You're not saved because they put a crown of thorns on His head. You're not saved because they ran a spear through His side. And you're not saved even because they nailed Him to a cross. Do you know why you're saved if you are saved? Because when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, He bore your sin, the sin of God's people, and all the fierce wrath of God that should fall upon you, fell upon His only begotten Son. People say the cross is a sign of how much man is worth. That's not true. The cross is a sign of how depraved we really are, that it took the death of God's own Son. The only thing that could save a people like us. Death of God's own Son under the wrath of His own Father, paying punish, rising again from the dead, powerful to say, This is the gospel of Jesus. Conversion is not like a flu shot. Oh, I did that. I repented. I believed. The question is, my friend, are you continuing to repent of sin? Are you continuing to? to believe, because he who began a good work in you will finish it. The Bible never teaches that a person can be a genuine Christian and live in continuous carnality and wickedness and sin all the days of their life. But the Bible teaches that the genuine Christian has been given a new nature. The genuine Christian has a father who loves them and disciplines them and watches over them and cares for them. Jesus indicates that one of the principal signs of being a genuine Christian is that you walk in the narrow way.
1: The Gospel message is easy to accept, and the benefits are eternal. Yet the Gospel has an intensity to it that requires a heart that is prone to discipleship. Discipleship is a lifestyle that focuses on following the dictates of Scripture. We love, we forgive, we worship God, and we give him first place in all things. And that requires that we make the word of God a priority in our lives. Living for Jesus is intense, but it is not impossible. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our guide and our teacher. Our dependence is no longer on our performance, but on his ability to be our point person in all aspects of our lives. Tension is not an easy word, yet it is a word that reminds us of what Jesus said in John 16.33, that we would face tribulation. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The tension is there, the tribulation will be there, but in him we have overcome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you an audio version of my blog, either through commentary, like today, or have conversations with people who have been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us. We will see you next Friday. My thanks today to Paul Washer and the Gospel Coalition for their additions to this podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are a part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.
1: This is the City Sites Podcast Network.